0: Now listening to
1: the Pats Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pats Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with Rich Hill. The draft is upon us. It is draft week. There's a lot going on in Patriots Nation. The schedule has been released. I'm excited to hear Rich Hill's commentary on that. we got to break down the draft preview for your guys. I'm excited for Rich Hill's commentary on that. But what I'm most <laughs> excited for right now, Rich Hill, is how is Rich Hill today?
0: Uh, Rich Hill is doing well. It is lovely here in Washington, D.C. The weather is beautiful. It has been sunny. I got to hang outside all day. And I have to think that spring is finally here after... Months of being teased. You know, we had that week in February where it was beautiful outside, and it was so nice that people were like, "It's going to cause the the cherry blossoms, which are a big deal down here. Apparently, they're going to cause the cherry blossoms to bloom prematurely." And then all of a sudden, we had a cold snap, and so they're like, "Oh, well, next month, next month." And so <laughs> comes March, we had this beautiful week, and I was like, "Ah, oh, this is this is the week. this the cherry blossoms are going to be perfect this week." And then we had like the biggest windstorm ever and they're like oh gosh it's gonna blow all the cherry blossoms off the trees and then finally this past week i think we're actually in spring it's supposed to be over you know 65 this entire week which is probably warm for people in massachusetts to call it spring i think like once it's past 50 it's springtime but when we're here it's beautiful i'm very very happy alec how are you
1: i'm good my man it's been a Crazy week weather-wise. I don't want to talk about the weather because I get depressed. <laughs> I live in New York City. Just a bad time to. I never thought I'd be talking about you know it's, if it's going to get warm during the draft weekend, late April, early May. But this is the life we live now, unfortunately. Otherwise, this is exciting, really exciting time of year. You forget about you always talk about October being a great sports month because you have the MLB uh, playoffs, the postseason, footballs in full swing, hockey starting up again, basketballs going around, but. Late March to early April when the baseball starting and the basketball playoffs are starting and the hockey playoffs are starting are great. And then you have the NFL schedule release, which is a massive event, which is crazy. Then you have the draft weekend. It's a smorgasbord of great sports talk, but we're here to talk about the Patriots. And I think before we start talking about the draft, lots to get to with the draft coming up on this weekend, starting on Thursday night. But I want to hear your opinions about the, the Patriots schedule that just came out a couple days ago. All 16 games are on the slate, open at home, close at home, late bye week, lots to talk about. First off, Rich, what are your overall impressions of the schedule? How do you feel about
0: it? I feel pretty good. I mean, we were talking before we started recording about how this time last year we were looking at the Patriots' schedule, and we were just putting our hands on our forehead, being like, oh my gosh, they're going to finish the season like five out of six on the road. They have... You know six divisional games in the last seven weeks you know it's something just completely absurd it made no sense uh it wasn't necessarily like a super challenging one from the onset it just looked like a dumb schedule i mean, think that, that was my reaction last year it was just dumb it made no sense it looked like every other team had their schedules created and then they were just like and eh, this is what the patriots are going to play this year whatever we got left over they'll just slide in right everywhere they can this year is completely different. I think that the Patriots have an incredibly balanced schedule. They got the Jaguars in the first quarter of the season. They got the Chiefs in the second quarter. They got the Packers and the Vikings in the third quarter. And then the Steelers in the, the fourth quarter. They have, uh, you know, pretty even split with home and away over the course of the day. I know that they have a stretch of uh, six road games in a span of nine weeks, which could be tough, but... You know, I, I think that overall, this is a pretty good schedule for the Patriots. I think it's really balanced. Five primetime games in the first nine weeks. It sets up a very favorable November and December for us as writers because we won't have to snap too late when it's cold and dark. So it should be pretty nice. What, what were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, compared to how I felt this time last year when the 2017 schedule came out, this is just an infinitely better draw, I think. Part of this just because the, the talent level across the AFC just still isn't that great, at least as of this conversation. But I love opening at home against the Texans, the Texans have never beat the Patriots. The Texans defense is going to be nasty this year, but that's a really good time to get them early while everyone's still kind of feeling themselves out. At Jaguarsville, that's always a tough game, especially given the AFC Championship ramifications that happened this past season. But I like getting them early before they get themselves figured out. Uh, Detroit, Miami, Colts and Chiefs back-to-back. It's going to be a nice one could you have the Colts on Thursday night. After Miami at home, hopefully, it'll be an easy win. I think it kind of just, just the cars tend to fall pretty well for the Patriots for the most part. The schedule, love, love the week 11 bye. You mentioned the six of nine on the road, but it does come out, you know, there's a road game, bye week road game. That's a nice split. The only thing that really concerns me on the schedule right now, a lot can change between now and when the season starts, obviously, but as of right now, that Sunday, December 9th, they're going to the Miami Dolphins, which is always a question mark, Brady does not play well there, Monday Night Massacre last season, and then they have to go straight to Pittsburgh right after that. Those are two very important weeks, weeks 14 and 15. A lot of jockeying for playoff position to that point. That could very easily be a back-to-back loss when wins kind of matter more. So I'm a little concerned about that. But other than that, I think it's a pretty solid schedule and the Patriots should do pretty well.
0: Yeah, and we have to remember New England dating back to 2003. They've averaged nearly 13 wins, per season so no matter what gets thrown their way no matter the caliber of team that they've faced they always find a way to come out on top that's just a, a ludicrous stretch <laughs> I mean I, I don't they haven't had fewer than 12 wins since 2009 right that was when they went 10 and 6 uh, so they have been able to go through the cycle multiple times they find a way to come out on top when you see this schedule Alec what do you What's your gut reaction, gut sense for how the Patriots are going to fare for twenty eighteen?
1: I feel like you could ask me that question in like March before the schedule comes out, and I'll probably be like, yeah, oh, they're probably gonna go twelve and four and get a first round buy. That's the <laughs> nice safe pick. Twelve and four, first round buy. That seems to be what they're expecting. Anything less than that is a failure of epic proportion. That's kinda of how the page dictated it. You know they'll probably split the AFC with the Dolphins. They'll probably go five and one in the AFC. You know they'll probably drop a road game they 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 shouldn't drop. That could easily be the Jaguars or the Lions. So that's another loss right there. The Steelers the Steelers are due to beat the Patriots. They probably should have beat them last season if not for the weird catch rule and the Daron Harmon pick. So that could easily be a loss. So that's thirteen and three. And then pick one other game in there. Maybe the Packers game on Sunday night could be a a, a tricky one. Chiefs beat them last year in Foxborough, so they're definitely immune to Foxborough. So maybe the, the Green Bay Kansas City. They lose one of those, and they go 12 and four.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty solid prediction. That's mine as well. Uh, another question to throw at you: What what would you expect the Patriots? If you had, to, if you were a betting man, which team or which game would hand the Patriots their first loss of the year?
1: Well, very rarely do the Patriots go four and zero to start the season. It happens, but I just see that at Detroit game as, a, as the first Ooh. trap. Oh no, I'm going to take that back because that's the first prime time game of the season. I'm not seeing the timing. There's no way they lose in Detroit in prime time. <laughs> the Lions just, they're, they're, they're not going to do that. So I'm actually going to say that they they drop one to the Jacksonville Jaguars in week two because they go one and one.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I think there's a good chance that they could start the season 10 and 0. Uh, I mean they have a tough game at Jaguars. Yeah, they. I mean they have a tough game at Jaguars. They always struggle with the Chiefs just because Bob Sutton's a really good defensive coordinator from the Rex Ryan tree has a very solid defensive game plan but they don't have their star cornerback anymore Marcus Peters is now with the Los Angeles Rams they kind of had a fire sale I don't I don't really know what's going on with the the Chiefs I don't know if they'll be able to take them down so if the Patriots get past the Jaguars in week 2 and even the Texans in week 1 right, we we have to remember last year where the Patriots people were like yeah they'll, they'll run the table when they got knocked out in the, the very first Week of the season, um, Packers could be it. I actually have my dark horse game for what the Patriots are going to come out completely flat, and no one's going to understand what's happened, and they'll just be super confused. Uh, that game against the Chicago Bears in Chicago, that 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 has all of the makings of a Patriots trap game. They have they'll be coming off of two primetime games, Colts Chiefs. They'll have two primetime games afterwards, Bills and Packers. So they never really overlook a week. We all like to say Bill Belichick has them all focused, but there's a chance. that If there is a game in that opening half of the season, actually like the entire season where the Patriots come out flat, they're overlooking it, maybe they're tired, they have another stretch, they haven't had their bye week yet, they'll be against an opponent that everyone thinks that the Patriots should defeat. I think that happens all the time. Patriots should absolutely clobber this team. And then Tom Brady, you know, throws two interceptions. They allow a couple 80-yard touchdowns. That could be the Bears game. That's my sleeper pick for uh, one of the Patriots' four losses this year.
1: I like that a lot, actually, because if you look at the schedule, the only teams they really could be quote-unquote trap games are the Lions game uh, at Detroit on Sunday night. That Bears game we just talked about. And then I guess at Titans, uh, in the November 11th, right before the bye week. Those are probably your three-trap game because the Texans are not a team to be taken lightly. Neither are the Jaguars. The AFC East is always kind of a crapshoot, especially when you're on the road. The Colts and Patriots, that could always be a game. That's going to be one to circle. It's a Thursday night game, so who no. knows? Thursday night's always just a disgusting mess, <laughs> but that, I don't think it's really a game. You, I wouldn't be, like, overly shocked if the Colts won that one. It would be an upset because – Luck's never beaten the Patriots, but it wouldn't be like a massive shocker where the Bears would. And I can never, you know, if they lose to the Jets on the road, I'm never going to think that's a shocker, and the Vikings are a good team. So it really is basically the Bears or the Lions, and I think the Lions are not going to lose. They're not going to lose to the Lions in prime time. So that's a good pick. I like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so we'll probably break down this schedule as we get closer to the season because there are a lot of moving pieces. We don't even know who the starters are for each of these teams. Opening week against the Texans, Deshaun Watson still coming back from his ACL injury. They got J.J. Watt with Whitney Merciless coming back from season-ending injuries. They got a lot of moving pieces. So we got a lot of time to, to wait before that happens. And on our immediate horizon this week, Alec, the 2018 NFL Draft, Christmas for Draft Nerds, oh, how excited are you? I mean, this is, you know, this is the offseason. Compared to free agency, people have their favorites. How are you feeling heading into the draft?
1: This is one of the more exciting drafts we've had in a couple of years, you are a Patriots fan, because... Certain things transpired in years past that took certain draft picks away, which we don't need to go into anymore, but the Patriots, through some wild dealings over the past calendar year or so, have what the industry people call a buttload of draft picks. (laughs) Uh, they've they they've two first rounders, two second rounders, you know, they've got a lot of flexibility to move up and down the board and it's been a long time since the Patriots kind of had this embarrassment of riches at the top half of the draft. There's pretty it's a pretty big gap in between uh in the the middle rounds, but early on they have a lot of muscle to flex and they can really be flexible in how they move up and down the draft board to get the guys they want. The question, of course, always is How the hell is Bill Belichick going to manipulate the draft board? And no one has any idea what's going to happen there. He'll probably take a safety in the second round out of, like, (laughs) South Dakota Community College for the arts, and no one's heard of him. But that's okay. But that never stops us, Rich, from trying to figure out what they're going to do. So where do you want to start with your draft review?
0: Yeah, I think we should just jump right into the prospects of import. So. We've had free agency, it's in the past, you know, the, the first and second and technically probably even the third wave of free agency is over. Anything else that happens at this point, the Patriots are waiting for the draft, undrafted free agents. So the roster is effectively set. And when you look at it right now, what are, you know, what are the three biggest weaknesses that you see? And let's kick off with, you know, what you think the biggest need is, and then we'll just continue and break down those other positions afterwards.
1: All right, that's a good good place to start. I think the biggest position of need as of right now is left tackle. I think that's a, a big problem. There that is a with a caveat because they drafted Antonio Garcia last year. He said he's ready to step in as their as the the left tackle. Maybe he's the guy. I don't know if they want to go with another Nate Solder type and go big, but I think offensive line, especially offensive tackle is a big need for them. I think they need some positional depth at linebacker and some versatility at linebacker. I like Kyle Van Noy a lot, but when Hightower went down, that was a glaring hole in the defense. And I also want to go with, on the defense as well, the edge rusher. I think setting the edge is important. I think getting pressure off the edge is important. They're pretty set in the middle of the defensive line, but I'd love to see them target an edge defender. So in that order, offensive line, linebacker, edge rusher
0: oh i like those i like those very much uh i'd like to add in defensive back as a, a fourth position for us to discuss and I'll, I'll explain my reasoning once we get there let's start with the offensive tackle that's what you said was the biggest need how do you see the patriots potentially addressing this position if at all what are some names that you see that could interest them and uh should the patriots fans expect anything from any of these prospects this year
1: yeah, I mean, if you think about the last time the Patriots draft a left tackle high, it was Nate Solder. I think he went number 21 overall, which is right around where the Patriots are going to pick this year, should they decide to, to stay put. I think the, the biggest name in terms of the, the best talent or among the best talents of the first round tackles is a guy out of Texas named Connor Williams. Big dude, 6'6", 300 pounds, uh, here in a 5 second 40 which is pretty good for a for a, a, a big guy like that he's a good, 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 good pulling guard they can move out to the outside he's played multiple positions which they like a lot the question is do they want to spend some high draft capital on a, a tackle so he's one guy to watch out for uh, one guy that's kind of um, intriguing he had a really really bad combine. And that might hurt his draft stock enough. The Patriots can get him in the second round out of Oklahoma. Got him Orlando Brown Jr. He was a potential top 10, possibly top five pick, but he had such a bad combine. He uh, he ran like a six second 40, which is pretty bad. I don't think a, an old lineman with a sub 5'5 five five or five seven 40's ever made in the NFL. Uh, he only had 14 reps on the bench press. Um, he just didn't really have a good combine, so that's a possible uh, – they two they, they, they prospect if he continues to fall. Um, but the guy I like for the Patriots uh, is a guy named Colton Miller. I'm a big fan of Colton Miller. I just think he's a, a good fit for the Patriots. Um, I, I like – there's a, he's a, he's like a good tackle, and he's a tight end hybrid kind of guy. He's a tall dude. He's 6'5", 6'6", 7'3", 7'3", in the cone. He just seems to be a really good fit for, for the Patriots. And so uh, I'm going with him for my my, my first-round pick out of UCLA. 6'9". Um, I'm sorry, it's not Six, five. Not, <laughs> six nine. That's a big, big dude. Um, kind of a, a Nate Solder, Sebastian Vollmer kind of build. Uh, big, big dude. So look for Colton Miller to go with the Patriots draft pick if I had to make a pick right now.
0: Yeah, and Miller's top comparison to an NFL player has actually been Nate Solder, which is super interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he's a very raw athletic prospect he hasn't put it all together while he's on the field but he's interviewed well scouts really believe in his upside and his potential because he has that top tier athleticism and he's gotten by on the field he's been pretty good from a technique standpoint he's been like okay but with great coaching, which, you know, the Patriots have in spades on the offensive line with Dante Scarnecchia, with great coaching, they think Colton Miller could be, you know, one of the, the best offensive tackles in the league, but he has one of the, the bigger uh, boom to, to bust potential ranges for NFL success, right? You know, if he could come in and he doesn't learn anything from the coaching, if he doesn't develop at all, he's probably not an NFL player whatsoever, so you're kind of banking on Dante Scarnacchio really pulling him around, which, you know what, Dante Scarnacchio has a pretty incredible track record, so I would bet money on that working out. Um, so, yeah, I really like Colt Miller as a potential fit for the Patriots, but I would also like to throw into the ring Mike McGlinchey out of Notre Dame. He is someone that is potentially out of the Patriots' range. He's expected to go in the top 15, top 20. He was a first-round prospect last year. He opted to return for his senior season. Uh, That allowed scouts to pick his game apart a little bit more. He started to... I mean, his offensive linemate uh, Quentin Nelson is the left guard for Notre Dame he's expected to go in the top 10 he stole the spotlight put McGlinchey a little bit in under the microscope because of how well he was doing and made people think wait a minute is McGlinchey really that good or is he just benefiting from a great line mate?" so that is something to watch out for so McGlinchey's grades are all over the the table right now a few other names Oregon's Tyrell Crosby is another second to possibly third round name to keep in mind. And then Jamarco Jones out of Ohio State. But those are the six that I would keep my eyes on if I were the Patriots, uh, including the the three that you listed and the three that I threw out there. I would be very happy if they took any of those players because I think most of them are day one starters, especially when they're going to be competing against Adrian Waddle, who I think is a good player but he's probably better off as that swing number three tackle for most teams or potentially as a starting right tackle elsewhere. But the Patriots need to have a franchise left tackle. Fingers crossed Tony Garcia is able to come back and really show why the Patriots took him in the third round. But otherwise, I don't know if the Patriots can really bank on that. And you look at the depth chart. Uh, other than like Cole Croston, I don't know. I mean, the, the the Patriots have the ability to add offensive tackle, even if Tony Garcia is able to play, because you got Marcus Cannon coming back from injury. You got Waddle. You got Garcia. I mean, you know, Crossan is not going to prevent the Patriots from drafting someone early on, especially to add someone into the mix. So the Patriots should draft an offensive tackle. All of those players listed should go in the first couple of rounds. So don't be surprised if the Patriots take one, uh, possibly with a, the, the 43rd overall pick, or if they want to get aggressive and there's still offensive tackles on the board, they could get their pick of their choice at 23rd.
1: Nice that's cool and I like Notre Dame too because Notre Dame's kind of like an offensive line factory they just like produce great offensive linemen um, so be, I'd, I'd be all for, for any of those guys coming to the Patriots it sure, should, should be a lot of fun to watch this first round the only problem with the, the offensive line is not that I care but it's of all like the exciting game changers you can get like a quarterback or running back or a stud wide receiver and then you get an offensive tackle it's not as fun but that's alright <laughs> you know, Super Bowls are not, are not one in April unsexy is right <clears throat>
0: Yeah, so moving on to the next position, you said linebacker is something of need for the Patriots, so they have Dante Hightower coming back from injury, they have Kyle Van Noy, who's a very great and versatile player for New England, you got Marquise Flowers on a one-year deal, and then you got Alandon Roberts, Harvey Lange, and uh, Nick Grisby, who is mostly a special teams player. Uh, I would say that of those players, Hightower, Van Noy, are the only real locks on the roster. Flowers is another option I think that he really stood out last year so he should get a spot but it's not guaranteed when you look at this draft Alec who are some of the names that stand out and are any of them potentially fits for the Patriots
1: yeah, we should probably start with the, the guys they've already worked out, the Patriots have. They're definitely already addressing linebackers, at least in their pre-draft visits. Uh, There's a guy named Rashawn Evans out of Alabama. Alabama is a linebacker factory, much the way that Notre Dame is a offensive line factory. Uh, he gets compared to Demario Davis. He's just a, a big dude, very powerful, very kind of Dante Hightower-esque. He's a Saban guy, uh, if, I, if I remember correctly. So he's some guy to watch out for. There's a guy from Wisconsin, uh, Jack Kitchy, I think his name is, or Ceechee, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, cool story, he was a walk-on, then he just kind of busted out, and he started to just, just come into his own. He could be a, if they're not looking to go to linebacker first round, Jack Keechee's probably a second, maybe Friday or Saturday pick, they could get him. And there's a guy named Sky Moore out of South Carolina. Uh, 6'1", 2'8", 220, right in the kind of belichick size mold. Um, he had a redshirt year, but he's a much better than his size suggests, and he's had I think, 93 or 94 tackles on his senior year. Uh, so he's a big nickel hybrid, kind of safety linebacker guy. Belichick loves those. He's definitely more of a linebacker than a safety, but he can play both, kind of like that uh, Adrian Wilson was supposed to be in the Pat Chung's of the world. Uh, they're always in the market for those guys. Those are three guys they worked out already, so I can see any one of those guys fall to the Patriots.
0: Yeah, I like call those names too. Uh just to throw out there for you know posterity's sake. They they're Roquan Smith, guy out of Georgia. Patriots aren't gonna get him. He's expected to go in the top ten. Tremaine Edwards out of Virginia Tech, another guy expected to go top fifteen or so. And then Layton Vander Esch out of Boise State could possibly be one of the best fits for the Patriots, but he's also expected to go in the top twenty. So most of those should be out of the Patriots range. Keep an eye on them if they fall, but they shouldn't be available. I love Rashawn Evans as a fit for the Patriots. He was utilized in the same Dante Hightower role of Nick Saban's defense, but he has a completely different mold. He's 40 pounds lighter than Hightower, which is ridiculous, but he shows a lot of burst on the edge. He shows athleticism to cover running backs out in the flat and even shadow tight ends or even slot receivers when he has to drop back. Predominantly, he was used to rush the quarterback, though, so he has a lot of versatility he seems to be a really good fit for what the Patriots like to do on defense. You know, Nick Saban runs a very similar defense to what the Patriots do. So Evans should be a day one starter if he joins the Patriots. But I also really like Sky Moore. He's really good. He has a good teammate in Darius Leonard, who's also in the draft, 6'2", 215. Both of them linebackers, both of them potentially good fits because they have that coverage ability. Uh, so th- those are some guys to look out for. Someone that I want to watch is, uh, Uchana Nuosu out of, S- uh, Southern California. He has the prototypical Bill Belichick mold and physical, you know, abilities. He's six three, two fifty. He can run over the, all over the field. He can drop into coverage. He can run after the, the quarterback. He can do it all. He's very, very versatile. Uh, he's very raw. He has a lot of upside, so that, that could be one of those picks that the Patriots do early third round if they happen to trade down or something, you know, even take it there. their 63rd overall. He could be a very, very good fit. And then uh Fred Warner out of BYU. BYU runs uh, a 3-4 defense. Warner is a uh, 6'3", 225 or so. He could be a very solid fit. You know, we have Harvey Lange on the team. Fred Warner could be another good compliment for what the Patriots like at linebacker, offers some versatility. This is a strong draft for that second tier of linebackers because outside of the top three guys that I listed of Roquan Smith, uh. Uh, Vander Esch and Tremaine Edwards people aren't super excited about these linebackers because there are one or two weak points, but there is a huge wave of these lighter linebackers that are between, you know, 220 and 235 pounds that really hadn't existed in the nfl but we've seen a wave of success in recent years particularly with deon jones with the atlanta falcons that shows that they can succeed and even thrive and excel in the nfl so these are prime players for the patriots to add and kind of mold into what they want to accomplish on defense
1: i'll tell you guys speaking of that kind of a little undersized not as as big but a just a, a beast and, and very very solid uh one guy you can watch out for that I don't know how he'll fit with the Patriots, and he might just not be around right around the Patriots are going to address the linebacker. But there's a guy out of Iowa, uh, Josie Jewel, or Jewel, Jewel, whatever his name is, right in that, that mold. Also, team <laughs> captain, uh, character guy. He had a six, seven, 6.793 cone drill, which Brett Belichick likes him. Kind of uh, compared to Sean Lee as a linebacker, that kind of that kind of player. So the Patriots are looking for one of those guys that you're talking about, he might be a sleeper pick as well.
0: Yeah, we can throw in a Jerome Baker out of Ohio State. There, there's, a, see, there's like a fair amount that are going to be available. Yeah. You know, rounds three through five, they're a little undersized, so teams aren't going to take them in the first two rounds, but they'll just show up and they're able to do what all linebackers need to do in the NFL these days. They're good enough against the run, but they're not a liability in coverage so yeah this is going to be a strong draft I would not be shocked if the Patriots take a linebacker because Bill Belichick needs linebackers in order for his defense to be successful we saw how bad they were last year they didn't have high tower they didn't have depth at linebacker and they really struggled so look for them to address that pretty early on uh moving on to that third position you said edge rusher I'm curious what makes you think that they need uh, another edge rusher onto the roster?
1: Yeah, again, so they have Trey Flowers coming into a contract year. He's going to command a decent amount of money. I'm not sure if they're going to re-up him. Other than Trey Flowers, there's not really a guy on the defensive line on the edge they have to game plan for. Him. They got rid of Chandler Jones, which I still support because it was either Jones or Hightower. They picked Hightower. It paid off in the former Super Bowl ring off that strip sack, so I'm okay with it. But I think they just need another guy to complement Trey Flowers on that defensive line. I think they've got guys but not really a, a real – up and coming prospect. Um, so I, I'm gonna, I don't know exactly how early they'll address edge rusher, but I think it's something that should definitely be on their, on their radar. Um, I, I think one of the, in my opinion, my, the best defender of the entire draft of any position is an edge guy and also probably the best name in the draft <laughs> as well to the football name, NC State Bradley Chubb.
0: Oh, so I good. Mean, that's,
1: that's just such a great football and especially for a defensive lineman. He is. Bonafide, probably top five pick. If the Patriots want to get him, it's going to cost them both their first-round picks to move up. I just don't see him in any way falling to the Patriots, so he's off the table. But he's probably the best player in the draft. Next to the next other uh, really good edge rusher is Texas guy uh, Marcus Davenport. I think he's a really good fit as well, but he's not going to be on 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 the board. The guys I like for the Patriots, another great name, Washington State. Hercules Ma'ata'afa, I believe his name is. <laughs> He's a junior. He's a little undersized, quick twitch, sudden burst guy, 22 sacks. He's gives a lot of uh, size away but still manages to make the play. People are giving a lot of Teddy Bruschi names out of him or Teddy Bruschi comparisons out of him. He'd be a lot of fun. guy named Josh Sweat. Another great football name. Uh, He's a Florida State guy, so take that as it was. But the guy I like for the Patriots, honestly, uh, I got this actually from from Jerry Thornton over at Barstool Sports. His preview for defensive edge guys are pretty good. He likes a guy named Sam Hubbard out of Ohio State which I think is exactly right. He's an Urban Meyer guy. Belichick loves Urban Meyer. He was going to go to Notre Dame on a lacrosse scholarship. We all know how lacrosse players do in a Bill Belichick system. Thank you, Chris Hogan. He got a lot bigger during his time at Ohio State. He was a safety. He went to the linebacker, the joker role, so that linebacker had safety hybrid and then moved to the defensive edge. I think he could be a really, really good fit. I think they can probably get him on day two pretty easily, so that's pretty sweet. He's got football intelligence. I would love to see the Patriots draft Hubbard. He's like a Ryan Kerrigan type. I think he fit really, really well.
0: Yeah, no, they, there are a lot of really good possible players at pass rusher in like the, the rounds two to three spot for the Patriots, because as you said, uh, Chubb, top prospect, out of their range. Davenport, also likely out of their range, but... This is kind of a low-key need. I've I've always thought that they've done a pretty good job with the position, but as you said, Trey Flowers is in a contract here. They added Adrian Claiborne. He's on a two-year deal, but he was one of the more productive players last year. He generates a lot of pass rush. He doesn't always close it with a sack, but he, he does a great job. He could be taken over to start opposite of Trey Flowers. And then you got Dietrich Wise. Who has done a pretty solid job, but you got Derek Rivers coming off of an injury. I mean, Geno Grissom isn't going to stop anyone. Neither is uh, Keontae Davis, who they added halfway through the summer last year, kind of gave him a redshirt season. Eric Lee, you know what I mean, he's not going to stop anything either. So the, the the Patriots have a lot of room, or I guess I should say flip that. Uh, you can also add Adam Butler in there. I don't know what they're planning on doing with him. He's more of that bare front, you know. Four tech sort of position plays in between the guard and the tackle. So at the defensive end position, that's like really locked on if if I'm going to go ahead and make the argument that they should draft an offensive tackle because they don't know what they have with Tony Garcia then it's completely valid to say that they need to add a pass rusher because they don't know what they have with Derek Rivers. And, you know, beyond Trey Flowers, who's entering a contract year, you got Claiborne and Wise. You know, so so there is a very real chance for the Patriots to add a, a pass rusher if they don't know where Derek Rivers stands. And I'd like to throw out a few other names. Harold Landry out of a good old Boston College, the best university in the planet. Uh He is potentially going to go in the top 20, so who knows if he'll be available. But He is a great pass rusher, can still develop as a run stuffer, but he is very, very good at what he does, and he has an immediate role as a third-down pass rusher as a rookie. Add in Duke four out of Wake Forest, he is a good player. Arden Key out of LSU, young guy, little undersized. He's about 6'5", 240 pounds, but he could continue to develop. He has a potential role in the NFL. And then another guy, Lorenzo Carter out of Georgia. He was always underproductive at Georgia. He never really lived up to expectations until his final year where he did pretty well. He's around 6'6", 250. He is an athletic guy. Georgia runs a 3-4, so he is technically their edge defender out there. Uh, So he has experience with what the Patriots like to do on the edge. He could be a very strong fit. He has possibly some of the most upside at that position, We'll see what they do, but there there is no shortage of pass rushers that could help the Patriots in this draft.
1: Absolutely. Again, I don't think it's a, a pressing need, like you said, and I don't see them going after a pass rusher on day one unless... For some ridiculous reason, Chubb falls to like 20, which is just not going to happen. Um, you know, I think it's something they should address, and there are enough guys. It's, it's enough. This is a great draft for depth. I think the Patriots are pretty set with their roster. If they had no draft picks at all this year, they'd still be okay, which is a really good position to be in. But I think they can really address some depth along that line in case they lose flowers someone's going to get hurt. Someone always gets hurt. It's good to have guys to come in. When you get really thin on your front seven, you saw what happens in the running game. So I think they have to, to address that for sure. So those are my my three areas of need, Rich. Uh, we talked about mine. You said cornerback as your area of need, um, which is interesting coming from a Patriots fan because I feel like cornerback is never an area of need because we know he's going to draft about seven of them. <laughs> so I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on why we should talk about cornerbacks today.
0: Yeah, so I, I'd like to actually throw in like all – defensive backs as well so there are a lot of needs that the Patriots have on the the defensive back positional grouping because you look at the cornerback position you got Stephon Gilmore who was great last year he's under contract they're paying him the big bucks that's great they finally acquired Jason McCoury so he should really step in for Malcolm Butler who knows if the Patriots are going to extend him or not and that's kind of the problem Is that beyond Stephon Gilmore? Who are the Patriots' cornerbacks in 2019? Looking beyond this year, Eric Rowe is a free agent. Jason McCourty is a free agent. Cyrus Jones is coming off of a season-ending injury. So is Jonathan Jones. There is not a lot of good quality depth at that position. And the fact that they drafted Cyrus Jones in the second round two years ago should not prevent them from addressing the position again because they have a huge need. And this is a pretty strong draft at cornerback. Uh, Jair Alexander out of Louisville would be a very good fit if he's available. People have him all over their boards. Some people like him as a top 15 fit. Some thinks he's a round two. Uh, You added Isaiah Oliver out of Colorado. He's another great fit. He's a a little taller guy, a little lankier very raw. He was stuck on the depth chart in Colorado behind a few guys that were drafted in the second and third rounds of the past few drafts. So he finally was able to emerge and he was possibly the best out of all of them. MJ Stewart out of North Carolina could be the next Logan Ryan. He plays inside and out. He, uh, could be a good fit for the Patriots. Not really sure, but he would be available in the second and third rounds. Added Mike Hughes out of UCF. He's good in the cover three, very, very athletic can be on the outside. Uh, There's just, like, a lot of very good players. Adam Carlton Davis out of Auburn, he's a tall player. Dante Jackson out of LSU could be another inside-outside kind of guy. All of these players could be available on day two of the draft, so there is no pressing need for the Patriots to utilize their first-round pick on a cornerback to address the position because there are a lot of options, and I do think that the Patriots need to address it. And looking beyond the cornerback position, Alec, I'm just going to keep going here, is at safety because Devin McCourty, Patrick Chung will both be 31 years old to start this. I know that Chung got extended. They're both under contract for multiple years. But you got Daron Harmon, who's a very good player. But you're not going to hold a position for, for Jordan Richards. You know, you're not going to hold a position. I mean, that's like kind of literally their depth at the spot. You know, if, if there's an injury to one of their safeties, then Jordan Richards is on the field. And that's not a good thing, Especially when McCourty and Chung are at the age that they are where an injury could just spark an immediate decline in performance. And there are a lot of good safeties in this draft that the Patriots should also consider adding because A, they could bolster the depth, take a position away from Jordan Richards, and they could finally have a, a secession plan in place at that role. So uh looking at that safety spot, I, I really like Justin Reed out of out of Stanford. I know that people might be a little hesitant to to add at that position because of what Jordan Richards did uh, or how he performed, but, you know, he is a good player. He's someone that the Patriots should really consider. Uh, Ronnie Harrison out of Alabama, Deshaun Elliott out of Texas. Those are some pretty big hammers at the, the position that could really step in uh, as an in-the-box guy for the Patriots, take over for Patrick Chung down the road. And then uh, at free safety, it's more like uh the middle round spots uh armani watts out of texas a&m is a little undersized but he he really knows how to cover that middle of the field he does a good job there so kaiser white west virginia he's a bigger guy i actually really like him he has a nose for the football he can really step in he he can uh Kind of fit what Deron Harmon does, give the Patriots some flexibility to play in the box, can drop back, can even step into the slot at times. They even use him to rush the quarterback. So Kaiser White is a guy that could step in as that next Patrick Chung player, could be available round three, potentially round four. So defensive back is something that the Patriots need, not for this year in particular, but they will have gaping holes there in 2019 at both safety potentially and at cornerback and they really need to start planning for the future because the Patriots have a pretty tough responsibility for their cornerbacks and it would be nice for them to have a year in the system before they were thrust into a starting role.
1: That brings in two questions from from, from uh, to me for you, Rich. One, if you, which makes a lot of sense, what you're saying. If your draft is always better, you never want to draft for need. A guy to start right now, plug and play is always not the way to to build a team. So building cornerbacks for the future rosters when the guys are too old or free agents or whatever it is makes a lot of sense. But with that in mind. Would you prioritize safety over cornerback with defensive, drafts and, uh, defensive backs in this draft? And do you think that Cyrus Jones, former second rounder, is more or less done as a Patriot?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely prioritize cornerback because of the fact that both Chung and McCordy are under multi-year deals. So the fact that Patriots can feel semi-secure in 2019 at that position, they can put their eyes at cornerback and not necessarily saying that Cyrus Jones is done, but they're not going to hold a position for him. Your draft stock as a second-round pick probably extends two seasons. He's in his third year coming off of an injury. The Patriots will not hold him open for him based off of his draft stock he will have to earn it and if he makes the team that's great he has a lot of potential or he had a lot of potential we'll still see if he has that he's just not going to stop the patriots from adding a cornerback and i mean that, that's something that new england should do on the day two of the draft
1: well they probably will because it's like me predicting they're gonna go 12 and 4 the first round by yeah. nice and safe you can't yep. go wrong with the patriots drafting, uh um, so th- those are all pretty good positions. One more I want to kind of touch on. This Obviously, you never know, but one thing I want to touch on that people have been talking about, ether out there, whatever you want to <laughs> say, uh, there's a lot of talk about the Patriots drafting Tom Brady replacement in this draft of the quarterback. I've seen things as ridiculous as them packaging both picks to go up and get Sam Darnold. I've seen Josh Rosen link to the Patriots. I've seen Baker Mayfield linked to the Patriots. I've seen Johnny Manziel linked to the Patriots. <laughs> How much weight do you put in the quarterback draft class, and do you think the Patriots will aggressively try and pick one of the the quote unquote top tier quarterbacks for a Brady replacement, or will they do their classic kind of sit back, draft a guy third round, whatever it is, and have Brady's heir come out of that part of the draft?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how aggressively they will be able to go, right? Because the Jets traded up into the top three because they know that they're going to take one of the cornerback or sorry, one of the quarterbacks, and so Darnold, Rosen, Baker Mayfield, those are the top three. It would be a shock if any of them slipped out of the top five. They're all expected to go at at that point in the draft. And then you got Lamar Jackson, who a lot of people think will go. you know, I mean, people have mixed reviews of him, but all it takes is one team to fall in love. He could be gone in the top 20. Josh Allen out of Wyoming. I don't know what uh, what teams see in him other than his height, but they'll draft him in the top 20 as well. Uh, You got Mason Rudolph, who's a fringe first-round pick. A lot of people like him as a potential Buffalo Bills option uh, in the 20s. So I don't think the Patriots will overdraft anyone, and that is what trading up draft picks could potentially lead to if they fear that a run at the position will leave them empty-handed. That is not something that Bill Belichick will overreact to, and other teams will. Other teams are desperate to find a starting quarterback, and they will trade up and overpay for some of these players, where Mason Rudolph is probably a top 40 prospect. I really like him. I think he could be a great fit. I could see him going in the top 20. And for a value perspective, the Patriots might have to trade up to do that. Is it worth it? I mean, if he's the franchise guy, definitely. I mean, there's no question. If he is a franchise guy, you definitely do that. But... You see some of the other options that maybe they sit down to the end of the second round, take Kyle Lotta out of Richmond. That's something that is definitely an option for them, especially if there's a run at quarterback and six of them are off the board. I don't know if the, the seventh quarterback will probably be still there when you're picking 63rd overall or even 43rd, depending on how it all plays out. Guy, I have my eye on Logan Woodside out of Toledo. Yeah, he's a six 205 pound guy. He likes to sling it down the field. He really benefited from uh, playing with Kareem Hunt over the past few years, so his numbers took a little bit of a dip this year. You know, Kareem Hunt was that rookie Phenom running back for the Kansas City Chiefs last season. Woodside was his quarterback. He still produced well. And from a production standpoint, he is up there with any quarterback other than Baker Mayfield. He he is extremely productive. He doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but he has a pretty quick release. He, you know, if, if you have a quick release, you can avoid turnovers. You're very accurate. You can succeed in the Patriots system. I don't know if he is a franchise type of player, but... I could see him being a Brian Hoyer type of guy. And you can win with a Brian Hoyer type of guy. You know, maybe maybe you can't rely on him as the, the franchise, as Tom Brady 2.0. But you can assemble a team around him where you can still compete. So I, I like Logan Woodside as an option. He would definitely be available, you know, potentially even day three of the draft. Add in Mike White out of Western Kentucky. He's a big guy. Uh, Riley Ferguson out of Memphis. There are options beyond those big five, six names at the top of it. And if there's a run and the Patriots would have to overpay to get one of them, I could see Belichick being comfortable getting one of these guys in the middle rounds.
1: Yeah, I think middle round is, is right. I, I don't see them moving up and, and taking one of the, the elite guys. I, I just don't see him, unless they know something we don't. There's also rumors among the, the Baker Mayfields and Johnny Manziels and blah, 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 one of the Patriots. There's also rumors Brady wants to work in a new deal, sign another two-year contract, which I'd be okay with as well. So maybe we'll worry about Brady's heir apparent when the time comes. I don't want to think about it anymore. Overall, though, man, pretty exciting draft, pretty deep draft. There isn't really, There aren't very many like true studs at these skill positions, like running back and receivers, there's a couple, but the Patriots usually go with a, like a pass catching back in the fourth round or something like that. And the receiver, I, they, just, they just don't spend a lot of draft capital on receivers. The highest guy they picked, I think, was Chad Jackson he really didn't work out well You know they, they do they do really well with like their their day their round five round six guys that kind of come in and get the system so I'm not even begin to pretend picking who they're going to draft for running back or receiver if you want to take a shot at it go for it but I am lost on this one
0: yeah so it, while you don't know which one that they would take a pick for Alec question for you if the Patriots could take any player who would make you the happiest
1: you know, It's weird. The obvious thing is to do is shoot for the moon and talk about these kind of studs that come in, but I'm going to make my pick for a position I think that's a sneaky need of theirs and one that could actually happen depending on how they decide to to prioritize their draft. Um, tight end is a position of need, Interesting. I think. Gronkowski is obviously Gronkowski. But after Gronkowski, who as of this conversation isn't a lock to come back, I think that's all bogus, but you never know. He's not a 16 a game player every single season, injuries, whatnot. After Gronk, it's basically Dwayne Allen, Jacob Hollister, Will Ty, I think, is still, and then the guy they brought out, Troy Nicholas. That is their, your, your tight end. So it's a significant, significant drop off after Gronk. And the Patriots have been trying to utilize a two tight end system for years. Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski were supposed to be the future of a really innovative offense. It never quite worked out. Martellus Bennett, Scott Chandler, the list goes on and on and on. So I'm going to go with a guy that I think could actually get into the Patriots. They don't have to reach up to to get probably a round two guy. It's a Penn State tight end, Mike Gasicki. I would love to see Mike Kosicki on the Patriots. He's 6'6", he's 250, he runs a 4 five forty. he He's a great kind of move tight end. He's not going to block in the running game. He's not like a Gronk-sized guy, but he is a really good receiver. I can see him. He's a really big mismatch for linebackers and corners. If they want to go for kind of the, the Gronk-Hernandez 2.0, I think Kosicki has kind of the intangibles in the build that Hernandez had, and I think they could get him on day two if they decide to go tight end. And I think Ben State – Regardless of various indiscrepancies in the past, they still produce good football players. I think he'd be a really good fit in the Patriots. He's good in the slot. He's lanky. He could afford to maybe gain some more weight, maybe get to, get to two 260 or so, but that's not that hard to do in the NFL. Um, but as like a tight end wide receiver hybrid, the Patriots have tried to get for so long. And he also has not dropped a single pass in two years, which Ooh. is a really nice stat. Uh, good thing to have. So, Mike Kosicki, come on down.
0: Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I mean, tight end is another sneaky need that the Patriots have because, as you said, who knows how much longer Gronkowski is going to play or potentially more importantly, who knows how much longer Bill Belichick will put up with these shenanigans. Uh, I mean, they should for however long Gronk wants to play because he's the best tight end in the league, but Belichick is Belichick. He won't walk away from you know the top ticket, but if he senses a decline or a shift, he might move Gronkowski for whatever potential draft capital he can get maybe send uh, Gronkowski out to LA and help him on his movie career that would be a a very nice thing to do but they they definitely need another tight end because if Gronkowski gets hurt who do they have right I mean they, they need to have a little bit more depth at that position that they can really rely on the Patriots offense is at its peak when they have a healthy tight end that can contribute don't know if they have that beyond Rob Gronkowski right now, so we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I have a few, and I'd be interested to in have you pick through them. Uh, the, the player that I think that I would be the happiest for New England to add is NC State athlete Jalen Samuels. I can't even call him a position. He is 5'11 uh, half or so. I'm going to call him 6 feet. He is 6 feet, 225 pounds. He... Played pretty much everything in the Wolfpack offense at at Francie State. He got carry duties as a running back. He blocked as a half pack. He played inline a little bit at tight end. So looking at his statistical production as a runner over the past four seasons, he has 1,104 rushing yards and 28 rushing touchdowns. As a receiver he has 1855 receiving yards and 19 receiving touchdowns so you just think of that right now he is a potential you know 500 510 sort of player in the NFL he he can catch he can run he is that perfect flex player he even returns kicks he doesn't come off the field he can block he could be that number 2 tight end that the patriots want where he can flex out of the backfield on a running down if he's a fullback go up to the line of scrimmage if they want to show a passing play they can even hand him the ball remember that the patriots did that a few times with aaron hernandez in his final season with the patriots they used him to to run the ball because you spread him out you have the other team showing five or just like the dime defense and you say all right well we still have a guy who can run the ball jalen samuels you're going to be a running back against this soft front Samuels is the perfect athlete, hybrid, positionless player for the NFL right now. And Josh McDaniels is the offensive mind that can really take advantage of it. He would be a perfect, 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 perfect goal line player for the Patriots that they were looking for to replace LeGarrette Blunt who left. Mike Gilsey was unable to do that. Rex Burkhead was hurt. They need to have a goal line guy. Jalen Samuels can do that. I would absolutely pound the table for the Patriots to get Jalen Samuels if he's still on the board in the third round.
1: It's funny. He, he can probably be on the board. I mean, he can go in the third round. He can go in the fourth round. You know, I think a lot of teams will shy away from a guy like him because you need to have a certain mindset, like, what do you do with this guy, right? He's a valuable hybrid talent. but Other teams might seem like, all right, like, where do you – what do you do with him? You know, do you where, – where does he work out? Does he work out with the running backs, the fullbacks? Um, but, yeah, I mean, got, Belichick loves four-down players. He can play special teams. Yep. He can catch – um, I'm not sure what kind of blocker he is on blitz pickup. That might be something to work on. That's a huge part of being a running back in the Patriots offense, obviously. I know he's dropped a couple, but he's a good kind of kind of project player. I think the fourth round is, is the magic round for Belichick, kind of hybrid pass-catching running backs. James White was a fourth-rounder. They could do a lot of good things with, with him. And, and when you have an intelligent coach who's, who's got a good system in place, and <clears throat> the guys need to come in and produce right away could be a lot of fun to watch him develop. But he's the kind of guy like you he he comes in and if you if you they do draft a, a tackle in the first round, not that exciting. This kid comes in. You see him coming on Jalen Samuels on in the preseason and he just lights it up. He could be kind of your preseason stud that has a a, a good career in front of him. I like that pick a lot.
0: Yeah, no he'd a he good one. I have a few other wide receivers of note, but Samuels is the guy that would be at the top of my board for an offensive skill player for the Patriots. Uh I would throw in uh Anthony Miller wide receiver out of memphis he's a little undersized he reminds me a little bit of a potential uh antonio brown sort of thing he's 511 190 but he is productive as all else uh last year or i guess I, let's just say this he had 95 catches for 1434 yards and 14 touchdowns as as a junior and then he had 96 receptions for 1462 yards and 18 touchdowns as a senior. So he is uh he's very very consistent. He has a little bit of a a nice attitude that he brings to it. He's very very uh ferocious. You know how we love what Julian Edelman brings to the Patriots offense as as, you know, just the attitude that can counter what typically is attributed to defensive players. He brings a swagger to the unit. I would love for Anthony Miller to be there for the Patriots. He seems to do exactly what the Patriots like. Could be a potential Dion branch kind of guy. And then Deshaun Hamilton out of Penn State, as you said they make football players at Penn State. He, he is a potential slot receiver, very, very, very athletic, great route runner. So he, he's not going to be a, a burner or anything, but he's a technician that the Patriots can just trust to potentially replace Danny Amendola out of the slot. But he could be available in the mid-round. So there, there are other wide receivers, too, that I, w- I would look at. But Jalen Samuels, bring come on down, man.
1: I'll take Jalen So, again, like, I'm just wary of, of first and second round receivers – I feel like you could probably get uh, Hamilton in round three or four. I like that pick a lot. But I, I wouldn't want to see them draft a receiver in the first two rounds with the other needs are a little more repressing. And they have a pretty decent receiving core right now. Predator Julian Edelman comes back. I think they have enough guys on the roster right now. Hopefully Malcolm Mitchell can come back and be, be at full speed. And they brought in Jordan Matthews. Probably that's a classic Belichick pickup. I think he's going to have a great year in the Patriots system. So hopefully they can get a couple guys in there. And uh, they needed to make basically needed to make one play in the super bowl this past year and they'd be talking very different tune right now and i'm sure with with the draft coming up they will be able to fill those needs up and the good thing is the nfl in its infinite glory decided to make it a massive weekend long thing so starting thursday night all the way through it's going to be a lot of fun and i believe it's in dallas this year right oh yeah am i correct
0: oh yeah they have to introduce the super bowl champion philadelphia Eagles in dallas
1: that's that's awesome So Goodell's going to get booed nice and hard for a lot of reasons, and that's not one I'm going to be upset about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so we'll break down the Patriots draft afterwards next week. Alex, do you have any final thoughts before we sign off?
1: I should do it, man. Remember, every team is 0-0, and and everyone's draft's going to be great, except for the Patriots. Their draft's going to suck because they're going to trade away their first two two fakes, and the media's going to hate them. (laughs) Remember, it's always a process. Belichick knows what he's doing and just enjoy it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Until next time, Alec, you have a good one.
1: You too, buddy. Later.